So this upcoming January 2nd will mark uh, the 20th anniversary of a day that I went on a very unexpected journey. I was serving a church in Randolph County and lived about an hour and 15 minutes away from Charlotte. And one of my church members and I got tickets to come see the Duke Blue Devils play basketball in Charlotte against the Davidson Wildcats. I'm a big Duke basketball fan, and the previous year they won the national championship, and this year they were undefeated, and uh, they were ranked number one in the nation. This is probably our best chance of seeing Duke play in person. And so we got into my car around 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, they were calling for maybe a chance of snow, but we're like, ah, whoever gets that right when they call for snow. And even if it snows, we've got to go and see this game. And so we started out on what became an eight-hour journey, leaving at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, returning at 1 o'clock the next morning, never making it to the basketball stadium. It didn't just snow. There was a blizzard, an absolute blizzard. We'd gotten all the way to Charlotte, got stuck, and just were trying to get our way back, going on 10, 15, 20 miles an hour. Uh, my car overheated at one point because of all the starting and stopping. You couldn't see the lanes, which was good because I was driving on all three of them going across. Uh, I ran a stoplight here in Charlotte because I couldn't stop because it was so icy and just prayed that I wasn't going to smash into something. So again, an eight-hour journey. And on top of that, the game wasn't even on the radio, so we couldn't even listen to it. Uh, so my poor church member was cooped up with me in a car for eight hours. God bless him, right? So we went on this unexpected journey. Thanks be to God that we got home safely. Have you ever been on an unexpected journey? Have you ever been on a journey maybe that you didn't want to be on, but you couldn't help but going on that for whatever reason that it is in life? I wonder if that's maybe how Joseph and Mary felt. We've been exploring their, their story and some of their geography about where they were going prior to the birth of Jesus. And we know that Mary was asked by an angel to be the mother of God, the mother of Jesus, and how she willingly said yes to that, but how it also probably caused her some anxiety. She would be pregnant outside of being fully married and people were going to talk and that was even a risk to her life. And so we've, we've covered some of the stress that she went through. Joseph was going to divorce her because, uh, you know, to call off the engagement, they weren't fully married. It's kind of complicated how it worked in the first century, but he was going to leave her uh, and do it quietly, not make a big stink until an angel appeared to him in a dream and said, no, Joseph, this is for real. This is God's child and we need you to be the father of Jesus. And and so they've been through this unexpected journey. And, and so we pick up the story now. Mary's been with her cousin Elizabeth for a few months. Uh, she's pregnant now, obviously. She's showing. And Joseph is nearby Bethlehem there. And uh, Mary's with Elizabeth in a small town near there. And so at some point, we're not sure when. It doesn't really say in the Bible. Joseph and Mary probably got together. And they had that wedding, the final wedding, either in Incarum, where she was with Elizabeth, or they went back to Nazareth to do that. And it's probably wasn't the wedding that Mary probably dreamed about her whole life, you know, as a little girl getting ready to grow up. Um, at, you know, at this point, she's probably, you know, she's showing, she's pregnant, she's not fully married yet. There's a lot of talk. It's a small town and probably not the big festivity that she was hoping for. But she and Joseph are now married. And um, usually what would happen at that point, she's probably around five months pregnant at this point, then they would have gone to live with Joseph's family and lived in that home until Joseph had enough money and got a, you know, to, to provide for the family and move out. But they stayed for whatever reason in Nazareth, where Mary was from. And so maybe it was because they wanted to wait until Mary had the baby before they traveled to Joseph's home in Bethlehem. 
Maybe Joseph got a, a job at nearby Sephora. We talked about that. It's a big city near Nazareth and was working as a carpenter there. But for whatever reason, they're in Nazareth. They're living there and they're waiting on Jesus to be born. And not quite the circumstances that they probably would have thought, this unexpected journey that they're on. So now we pick up the story and realize that it's not over, right? Their journey is not yet finished and there's more to come that they might not want to do. So let's jump into the Bible again. Today we'll be in Luke's gospel as we see what happens next with Joseph and with Mary. In those days, Caesar Augustus, the Roman ruler of the area, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Israel was not self-governing. They were ruled by outsiders, by the Romans, and so the Romans told them what to do. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So here we have some additional news uh, for Joseph and Mary. Right? Mary, by this point, is around nine months pregnant, and the Roman ruler decides, well, I need to take a census of everyone who's in Israel so that I can be sure that everyone's getting taxed appropriately. I need to get my money. Right? And so this means that Mary and Joseph, now that they're a family, have to travel back to where Joseph came from, which was Bethlehem, which was anywhere from a 10 to 12-day journey, and Mary's nine-month pregnant. And she didn't have a car Right? She couldn't have an Uber. Uh, there was no train. It was either going to walk or you're going to maybe ride on a donkey if you're lucky. Right? And I'm, it doesn't say what Mary and Joseph were thinking, but, but I'm guessing if it was me and, and the human, humanity and all this, is maybe they're saying, God, are you serious? Right? Do you know what we've been through? We, we said yes to be the parents of, of Jesus, and we've, we've been facing social ridicule. We didn't have the wedding that we wanted to have, and it's kind of been hard to do all this. We're glad to do it. We're joyful about that. But now, in nine months of pregnancy, we have to go to a 10- or 12-day trip, right? Could you not throw us a bone, right? Just help us out a little bit here. Right? Again, it doesn't say that in Scripture. That's just me maybe guessing or surmising what might be going on. And so the unexpected journey continues, right? This unexpected journey continues. So let's see what happens next. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem in the town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So they're getting ready to go on this journey. And there's, there really were two routes that they could have taken. We've got a map here. I can show you what they could have done. The first one you can see on the right would be to go the eastern route. Uh, and this would be to go maybe across the River Jordan and go down and then cut back across over to Bethlehem. Um, this would add two days to the trip. This would be about a 12-day trip if they went on that, that, light, that right little curve there that you did. But... People did that a lot because there was an area that they wanted to avoid called Samaria. Right? There were some people who lived in Samaria that weren't fully Jewish. They had intermarried with people who were outside of the Jewish faith, the Jewish uh, experience. And so the, the other Jews in Israel didn't like that. And they didn't see them on equal grounds. And so they hated each other. And so a lot of people didn't even want to walk in the area of Samaria. And so some would say that, you know, everybody avoided Samaria. They'd take the extra couple of days to get to Bethlehem. Now, the other route, you can see it directly kind of goes just south, straight down from Nazareth down past Jerusalem to Bethlehem. This would have been a 10-day journey. 
Um, and it would have gone along what was called the way of the patriarchs. All of the, the big names that we read in the Old Testament, like Abraham and Jacob and Elijah and Elisha and all these people in the history of Israel like would have gone on this main thoroughfare. That's before there was a Samaria, that kind of a thing. Uh, and so uh, this would have been a more direct route. Adam Hamilton, who wrote The Journey, the study that we're kind of reading in our devotions along, he thinks that Mary and Joseph went the direct south route uh, for several reasons. One, lots of people would be traveling now, and they wouldn't be as scared to travel together through the area of Samaria. Uh, but more importantly, theologically, uh, he believes that this would just this would make a lot of sense because that was the way of the patriarchs. It's the history of the Bible. It's the history of salvation. And now that history of salvation is coming in full, it just makes sense for Jesus to walk the way of the history of Israel. So that would be a theological reason. But also when Jesus is a grown-up, he is kind to Samaritans and he cares for Samaritans. And where do we think he learned how to do that? Probably from his parents who were kind and caring to Samaritans. Again, the Bible doesn't say that, but maybe we can assume that was happening. And so either way, Joseph and Mary begin to make their way down. But I just want to pause here and maybe ask a question today of ourselves. Um, in our city, or in your city where you live and where you're watching, who are the Samaritans? Uh, where is Samaria? Where, where's the part of town that you don't want to be caught dead in? Who are the people that you just don't want to be around? Is it someone of a different color, someone of a different race, someone of a different socioeconomic level? Is there a dangerous part of town that we just want to avoid? That maybe God might be saying to us today in the spirit of Christmas, we might want to rethink how we treat people in modern day Samaria. I think that's something that comes from the scripture and would, would make it even more beautiful if Joseph and Mary traveled right through Samaria. They're like, we don't care, right? We love everyone. So anyway, they're on the journey. It's either going to be a 10-day or a 12-day journey. If they're going down straight down, they're going to start it in the Jezreel Valley, which is a beautiful valley, which you read in the book of Revelation is where the last battle between good and evil is going to happen. You've heard of the Armageddon, right? There's a, there's a mountain there called Megiddo, and Har means mountain. So they're going to start off going through where the last battle of good and evil is going to happen. And I think that's kind of symbolic that that's going on. Then they're going to get to some of these, uh, these uh, foothills on the way with some switchbacks back and forth, about three days of that. Then they're going to have three days in the big mountains themselves. It's going to be really hard on Mary, whether she's walking or whether she's riding a donkey. This is the part where she's probably thinking, Joseph, how much farther do we have to go? And then the final couple of days, they get sight of the big city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, and then from there, it's a short ride or walk into Bethlehem. So probably 10 to 12 days, Mary and Joseph are probably exhausted. Mary's ready to have the baby, but she's probably wondering, I don't know any midwives who live in Bethlehem. Joseph, I hope you know someone. I hope someone in the family can take care of this situation. And so they enter into Bethlehem, and we continue to see what happens. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Right? So they get there, and there's not even room for Mary to give birth. And so we, we, we've heard the story. We know that, that we celebrate that today. It's super exciting. And have you ever asked the question, if Joseph's from Bethlehem and his family lives in Bethlehem, why is he staying at a hotel? Right? 
why would Joseph try to stay in a motel or a hotel if, if his family's there? Right? Because we, we've always heard there's no room at the inn. But uh, Adam Hamilton writes that he thinks that's a mistranslation of a word in the Bible. Right? That instead of an inn, it was really a guest room. The, the word behind that is kataluma, which means guest room. Uh, let me show you a diagram of what a house looks like in the first century in Bethlehem, where Joseph's family probably lived. It might be hard to make all of that out, but on the top left-hand corner, there's the kitchen and dining room, kind of the common area where everybody hangs out and eats. On the right, there's the sleeping quarters where the parents probably slept. Uh, And then in the middle, there's this guest room, right, which is translated as inn, like it's the middle room of the house, well, the end of the house there, uh, where the kids probably slept until guests came, and then that's where the guests would stay, and the kids would either stay with the parents or they would stay in the dining area. And then b- below that is a stable that would probably have been a, like an underground like cave, kind of like a garage, right, where you could keep the animals or whatever. And so perhaps rather than being in an inn or a hotel, because Joseph's family lived in Bethlehem, this is where Joseph and Mary were staying. And they all probably had other family coming in. And so it's probably a full, full house. It's probably a modest house. And so it was tight and packed. And so then they would have stayed in that, that, like, that middle section that you see there, the guest room. Um, but if Joseph and Mary are staying at Joseph and Mary's house, why would they not be allowed to stay in the house when she's nine months pregnant and having a baby? That seems very insensitive, doesn't it? Well, in first century Judaism, uh, in, it was considered ritually unclean to be around blood. And when babies are born, it gets kind of messy and bloody. And so if Mary gave birth in that guest room, then no one else could stay there. Everyone else would have to leave the house. And so it makes sense to say, hey, you know what, Mary, not on the couch, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, why don't we give you the stable? You're still in the house. You'll have privacy, right? It's not ideal, but everyone else can still stay in the house. So that's a theory, right? And whether Joseph and Mary didn't have room in a motel or a hotel or even in their own house doesn't really matter, right? What matters is that Jesus was born, right? Jesus was born, and we celebrate that, and we're grateful for that. And it's like the end of this unexpected journey that Mary and Joseph didn't really think they could go on. They never imagined it would happen. There were parts of it they probably didn't enjoy. You know, the nine months pregnant, going through the hills and the mountains and all that kind of stuff. Then you get home and you can't even stay in the guest room. Like There had to be some stress on them. Um, and what's interesting, though, it's, it's not going to be the last unexpected journey that they're going to have to take. Right after Jesus is born, uh, they're going to have to leave the country, right? Not just the town, not just the town of Bethlehem. They've got to leave because Herod, the king, is threatened by Jesus. He hears that he's going to be the new king, and so Herod wants to kill Jesus and puts a death sentence out on him. So Mary and Joseph and Jesus have to leave and become refugees, and they flee to Egypt, which is to the south. But that's not just the only unexpected, unwelcome journey they're going to have to make. When Jesus is an adult, Mary's going to have to make a a journey to Jerusalem to see him killed, right? So that he can save you and me. So Joseph and Mary have to go through some really unexpected journeys. And some of them were just not wanted, but they were willing to do that because God was going to take these difficult circumstances and bring good from them, right? God didn't cause the Roman ruler to cause a census, to cause Mary and Joseph all this trouble, 
But he took that situation and used it to help bring Jesus into the world in Bethlehem, right? The city of kings. Right? So God takes these unique circumstances. He walks with us and he brings good out of that. And we haven't been in Mary and Joseph's shoes to walk through what they walk through. No one can, right? It's just something unique to them. But I'm guessing that in your life, you've been on unexpected journeys. You've gone on journeys that you didn't want to go on, but you had to go on. And, and I'm guessing right now that there's some journey that you're on right now that is unexpected and it's not pleasurable for you. And I think if we pay attention to what Joseph and Mary went through, that we can find some good news in our stories, right? We are... Under, undergoing journeys right now that, that none of us want to be on. We've been on a two-year journey, right, with this thing called a pandemic that we're all sick to death of, right? right? We're tired of wearing masks. We're tired of hearing about stuff on the news. We're tired of people getting sick. We're tired of people dying. We're tired of our, our schools in person or out of person, right? It's just it wears on us. And we thought we'd gotten through it, and then the Delta variant came. We thought we got through that. Now the Omicron's coming, right? And it's here, and so we're tired, and it's been a long journey, and it's been frustrating, and it's not over, right? And so we look for God to say, where's the goodness in this? But we've seen good come from it. We've seen people say, right, i I got to stop and take stock of what's important in my life. There's things that I took for granted that, that I'm not going to take for granted anymore. Right? I'm not going to be in a work position that I don't feel fulfilled in. I'm going to find somewhere that is, right? And we found new ways to do church and reach new people that we couldn't have before. So God takes those situations and he's, and he's with us and he brings something good from that. And I know that some of us right now are, are struggling. We're, we're struggling in relationships. We're struggling in our marriage. We're struggling at work. We're, we're being bullied at school. We're facing illnesses. Some of our loved ones are on a journey with an illness and it doesn't look good. And some of us have had to say goodbye to loved ones this year whose journey on the earth has ended way too soon. And so we know what it's like for Mary and Joseph to be in an unexpected journey, a journey that is not one that we would have chosen or picked. But the good news is that we're not by ourselves, that God journeys with us, that out of those difficult circumstances and those difficult journeys, God redeems them and bring something good into our lives. Think about one of the old patriarchs in the Old Testament, a man named Joseph who went on many unexpected journeys that he didn't want to go on. His brothers hated him and they beat him up and they were going to kill him, but then they sold him into slavery. Once he was in slavery, he did okay. And, and then he was thrown into jail for something that he didn't do. And and I'm sure Joseph had moments of like, what have I done to deserve this? Why am I here? And and yet the Bible tells us that in each of those stages of those journey that was just not fun for Joseph to be on, that God was with him. And God used those circumstances to, to put Joseph in a position of political power where he was able to save an entire nation from starving to death because God gave him wisdom. And the same family that sold him into slavery and, and, and got rid of him, right? The brothers had lied to the dad, said that he, that he was dead. They sold him into slavery. They had to come and beg Joseph, not knowing who he was because he had changed so much, for food. And Joseph saved his, his entire family, right? God didn't cause these circumstances. Joseph didn't cause these circumstances. They happened. And God never abandoned Joseph. And God used the circumstances to bring good into the world. So in your unexpected journeys, what does that mean? What's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think God is saying to us today. Difficult journeys will never be the end of your story. 
Difficult journeys will never be the end of the story. If, if you're going through a hard time right now, no, this is not going to be the end of your story, that there's something better on the other side. Right? Difficult journeys will never be the end of your story. And then I would say a second thing is this. God's greatest work often comes out of the journeys we don't want to take. Right? God's greatest work often comes out of the journeys we don't want to take. Even me getting lost in a blizzard in a snowstorm, right? that guy that was locked in a car with me for eight hours, we became great friends and had a great relationship that we never probably would have had if we didn't get locked in a car for eight hours together. Right? God takes difficult circumstances and brings good from them. Right? So an action step that I invite you to think about this week is this. Invite God to use your disappointments to accomplish God's purposes. Right? If you're in a difficult circumstance, say, God, I know you're not causing this, but take this, God, and, and let me know that you're with me and bring something good from it. Right? If you've experienced a great deal of hurt in your life, then maybe you can take that and help someone else either avoid that pain or if they're going through the same pain, you can help them through that. If you've been through a difficult circumstance and and your faith has gotten you through that, then maybe you sharing your story with someone else going through a difficult circumstance can find faith that will get them through that. Invite God to use your disappointments to accomplish his purposes. Just like Joseph, right? Joseph was betrayed by his family. He was sold into slavery. He was cast into prison. And all along, God was with him and used each and every circumstance to turn it around and to bring good from it, right? This son who was thought to be dead is now alive and has saved the world. Does that sound familiar? Right? A son who was thought to be dead is now alive and saved the world. Joseph is kind of a forerunner for Jesus. And if you think about Jesus, right, his journey from our perspective was unexpected and there was parts of even his journey that he probably didn't want to go through, right? Jesus was born And we celebrate that today. We're going to celebrate that on Christmas Eve. And it's just this beautiful message that God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world. And he grew up to be a man who did miracles and he healed people and he walked on water and he he helped blind people be able to see. He he fed hungry people and he taught beautiful messages and stories. And and then his journey went hard. It went south. He went into the Jerusalem and he had to die on a cross. And, and he did that because he loves you and me, right? We are created in God's image and there's so much goodness in us and we celebrate that. But at the same time, we also have the freedom to choose and sometimes we choose the wrong thing and, and that's wrongdoing or sin. And the result of that is that we experience guilt and we experience shame and we will experience a physical death and we will experience hell, which means separation from God. And Jesus saw this brokenness in the world, And so he came into the world as that little baby and grew up to be that man to die on a cross and to come back to life so that you and I can be forgiven. So that our guilt and shame can be replaced with joy and peace that we can live a life that is full on this this earth and we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven and not even death itself can stop us from living a life that is full. That was Jesus' journey. It was unexpected. People thought he would be a king, a mighty ruler, but he was this man who willingly went to his death so that he could be resurrected. And Jesus himself, even before he was going to be killed on the cross, said to God, I don't want to do that, God, right? If there's any other way, please take this cup from me, right? If there's any other way, but if this is the way that I must go, I will do that, God. Not what I want, but what you want. And so today we celebrate Jesus' unexpected journey, his 
his journey that he probably didn't want to go through, but he did it anyway because he loves you and he loves me. That's the beauty of Christmas is that Christmas makes Easter possible, the resurrection of Christ, right? Jesus loves you, right? That's the message today. Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to take an unwanted journey, right? To leave the glorious kingdom of heaven to come to be in a a messy body, right? That we have with all these emotions and be uh, betrayed by his friends and abandoned by his friends and then tortured and killed. and, And he took that journey because he loves you. Because he wants you to have a great journey now on this earth. And he wants you to have a great journey forever in the glorious kingdom of heaven. So Jesus said, I will take that journey. And brothers and sisters, that's why we celebrate today. And we know that our difficult journeys are never the end of our story. God always takes them and redeems them and uses them to bring goodness into our lives. And so today I would just encourage you to join Jesus on the journey If you don't yet know who Jesus is, to to invite him into your life, to say, God, I'm sorry when I fail you, when I've done the wrong thing. I'm tired of carrying around this guilt and this shame. Take it from me, Lord. Forgive me and, and live in me and give me your joy and give me your peace and let me have a life that is full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. And this will be the best Christmas you'll ever experience. That's the gift that God offers you. And to those of you who have done that, who walk with Jesus, give thanks and praise and say, thank you, God, for what you've done. We celebrate with you and and the journey that you did and that I'm glad to be on the journey with you. That's what Christmas is, brothers and sisters. It's an invitation to be on the journey with Jesus. So wherever you are in your journey, in your faith life, my plea to you today is to say, yes, Jesus, I will journey with you. And if you do that, you will have a very Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you for the journey that we're on in our lives, God, that you love us, that you created us in your image, that you have great plans for us, God, and we have so much to celebrate. And God, when that journey becomes difficult, when it becomes unexpected, when it becomes hard, Lord, like Mary and Joseph, like 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 the Joseph of the Old Testament, God, we're grateful that we don't face those parts of our journeys alone, that you're with us and that you walk with us, God, and that you redeem the bad things that we face, Lord, that you bring goodness into our lives. And so today, God, we just thank you that we don't journey alone. We thank you that you took the journey from heaven to earth as this baby who grew up to be a man who died on a cross and came back to life, Lord. You took that journey because you love us. And so today, God, may we be honest in our own lives, in our hearts, and think about our journey with you. And for some of us, God, maybe today's the day that we start that. Lord, we invite you in to be our Lord and Savior. God, come and forgive us and give us life to the full and life forever, Lord. Let us be on this journey with you. And for those of us who are on the journey, God, we thank you and we just, we recommit to you today, God, and we celebrate the joy that we have, right, from being here today to celebrate the Christmas miracle, Lord, because it leads to the Easter resurrection. God, we have so much to be grateful for. Thank you for calling us to journey with you. It's in your holy name that we pray today. Amen.